Good morning again, everyone. We're so glad that you're here with us today. Welcome Smyrna Campus. We love you guys. We're glad you're connected with us there and everybody connecting online. I know a lot of people are still traveling today. We pray for your safe travels, but we're glad that you could connect with us online as well. I'm full. How about you? I'm full physically and I'm full spiritually with God's blessings. And I hope you've had a wonderful Thanksgiving uh, time with family and friends. Uh, and we just are glad we could be together again today on this first Sunday after Thanksgiving and celebrate the fullness that God has for us in our lives. We are today finishing up a series we've been in for a long time now called Worldview. And, and in this series, we started out talking about why worldview matters. It's because it influences everything about your life. Your worldview determines how you look at people, how you look at your job, your relationships, your marriage, your money. It affects everything, the worldview that you have. And then we also talked about, well, what is a biblical worldview then? What's the worldview God would want us to have? We talked about the, the pillars of a biblical worldview. And it really starts with understanding the authority of God and Scripture, the reliability of Scripture. We talked about that one week as well, the, the reliability and the application of God's Word. And we talked one week about the five greatest influencers of worldview. And we know that parents are the greatest influencers of children's worldview as they grow up. Uh, and then grandparents and extended family, you know, speak into that. Uh, whoever has time with the kids as they grow up has that opportunity to help determine the worldview that the children are going to have. And we talked about the fact that the church uh, overall, on average, comes in about number five in those who have the greatest influence over children that are growing up. But that's mainly because of the time we get with the kids, right? Uh, the limited time we have to influence and teach and impact their lives. But I want to shift that thinking a little bit because today what we're going to be talking about is the role of the church in developing the worldview that people are going to have. And the church quickly moves up that list of greatest influencers when we understand that the church is who? It's us. It's you and me. You see, those parents raising the kids, if they're Christ followers, they're the church influencing those kids. And you're starting in the home, developing that worldview that God would want those children to have. And we are the church at school. If you're going to school right now, you are the church there. And you have an opportunity to, to be impactful in developing the worldview of the people around you in school. At work, uh, I hope if you're not retired or independently wealthy, you probably go to work most every day, right? And while you're around those people, you have an opportunity. You are the church in that place. And you have that potential of helping to influence worldview at work. You're out there. As somebody told me this morning, they did the Black Friday thing where they got up like at 3 or 4 o'clock in the morning and went out and... Shopped all day long, didn't get home till 9 o'clock that night. I'm not calling any names at all, but uh, man, Sydney, I can't believe you guys do that. But uh, you, couldn't, you couldn't pay me to do that. I, there's no way in the world I'll, I'll do that. Uh, you know when I shop for Christmas, it's Christmas Eve usually. and uh, Man, I'm not going to go do that. Uh, but here's the thing. 
We, we, we have interaction with people in restaurants and stores and all those places. We are the church in all of those places. And, and God has a role for the church to play, a major role, an impactful major role in developing the worldview of our homes and our communities and, and our states and our nation and the world. God has put the church here to be a powerful influence over the worldview that people are going to have. We are the witness to, to God and what God wants for our lives. There was a man who was coming out of church one Sunday morning, and uh, the pastor was at the door shaking hands as people went out. And as that guy came up, the pastor kind of took his hand and took him to the side, and he said, man, you need to get into the army of the Lord. And he said, pastor, I am a member of the army of the Lord. He says, so why, don't, why is it I only see you on Christmas and Easter? He said, because I'm in the secret service. <laughs> God has not called you or me to be in the secret service in the army of the Lord. He wants us to be influential, impactful. And God has that role for the church, which means if you belong to the church, that's your role too. To have that impact, that influence over the worldview. The church has been pretty good in America, especially, complaining about how things are changing, we think, for the worse. We're pretty quick to complain. It's not like it used to be. Back when I grew up, you know, we tell those stories about how much better it was back in the day. Now, first of all, our memories play tricks on us. But secondly, if things are going the wrong direction, God put the church here with the role of changing that, of impacting that, of turning it back around if it's headed the wrong way. That's the role of the church when it comes to developing worldview in our cultures that we live in and serve in. So today we're going to be looking at some passages that, that will speak directly toward our worldview, the primary passage is what's often called the Great Commission in Matthew 28. You can be turning there if you want. You may know this passage pretty well if you've been in church a lot of your life. Matthew 28, picking up with verse 18. Business consultant Peter Drucker was once asked, what's the most important ingredient to having a successful business? Now, Peter Drucker was considered you know, one of the greatest gurus of business success, right? What's the greatest influencer or the greatest ingredient to having a successful business and he said well here it is every day ask yourself two questions the first question is what business are we in the second question is how's business right I love it when people keep it simple maybe it's because I'm a simple-minded person I don't know but I like simple and when it comes to the church here's the thing we need to understand we know what the business of the church is supposed to be. It's found in the Great Commission. That's the business of the church. We're going to read it here in just a minute. But the second question we need to ask is, how's business? If the Great Commission says, go and make disciples of everyone, and we understand that's the business we're in, then how's business? And the truth for the church in America is this. Business is not good. It has not been good for a long time. The church in America has been in decline for a while. Now, studies have shown that about a third of the people who were going to church before the pandemic hit are not coming back. I think we've seen that here at Lakeshore. 
the numbers look like that. But here's the thing. The church was in decline long before the pandemic hit. We didn't realize it. We didn't acknowledge it very well. We weren't real honest about it. But the church was in decline before the pandemic hit. And so if the role of the church is to have impact and influence over the worldview of our communities and our culture and our world, and the church is in decline, then we have to be honest about the fact that business is not good for the church in America right now. You're thinking, well, you know, we, we're going to hear good news, right, Pastor Randy? You got some encouragement for us? I do. I do. I've got some good news for you, but I want you to understand we got to be honest about where we're at right now. We can't go on acting like everything's okay when it's not. So let's look at this great commission. Matthew 28, beginning with verse 18. Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. Now, Jesus is about to ascend back to the Father. He's come here to do the work that God sent him here to do of living without sin and then going to the cross, becoming sin for us, dying on the cross, paying that penalty for our sins, going into that tomb and then rising again on the third day, showing God's provision for victory over sin and death. And now he's leaving marching orders to those who put their, belief, their trust in him, who decided they would follow after him as their Lord and Savior. He's saying, here's what I want you to do now. This is your purpose moving forward go and make disciples of all people he tells them some of the process baptizing them we're going to break it down here a little bit to five things that we find in scripture and God's message to the church that help us fulfill our purpose well as the church and then we can be impactful in developing the worldview of our families our neighborhoods our country, our world. The first thing we see here is the power for fulfilling our purpose. The power for our purpose. He started out by saying, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Now, understand that for a moment. Is there any higher authority than that then? No. So what he's calling us to do, make disciples, that's the purpose of the church. And who's the church? We are. Our purpose on earth is to be a disciple maker. And our power for doing that is by the authority of the Son of God, we are called to fulfill that purpose. Now, I like to start there because if it was left up to us, how much power and authority do we really have? Not much. Right? Right? I mean, even the most powerful people in our culture, you could say even like the president of the United States or members of Congress or, or whoever or the CEO of a big company or the wealthiest person in the country, the truth is they have zero authority over spiritual things. Zero. But the church is put here with a purpose. You are put here with a purpose to make disciples by his authority to go and make disciples. He has all authority here. 
And I know sometimes we look at, oh, things are so bad and they're just getting worse and we think it's just too big, it's too hard. There's no way we can make the impact. If, if it was just us, yeah, you're right. But it's not by our authority that we're doing this. It's by his authority and he has all authority in heaven, which is great. But also on earth, he has all authority. We forget that sometimes. We act like, you know, the, the evil is going to win. The evil is making progress and the evil is going to win this thing. But all authority on earth has been given to the son of God. He wins. And if we can put our hope and our trust in his authority, then we have the power we need to fulfill our purpose. Back in Matthew 16, verse 13 uh, it says, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? And they replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked, who do you say I am? And Simon Peter said, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And Jesus replied to that statement, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter. On this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. Some translations say the gates of hell. Hades is a word that means death and the abode of the dead and hell and everything that, that comes with that for those that are not in Christ. He's saying even Death and, and the punishment of sin, which is death, none of that can overcome. Even hell itself cannot overcome what Jesus has the authority to do on this earth, which is to build his church. See, we're, we're, not, we're not impotent. We're not without power, without authority, without strength, even in the face of a culture that's not going the direction we want it to go. It's time we realize that. And stop thinking of the church as that institution, but understanding that's us. We walk in that authority of Jesus to do what he's called us to do. All of us individually that make up the church. We walk in the authority of Jesus to make disciples, even in the face of what we think is a culture that is going the wrong direction. Colossians 1 verse 15, he said this, about Jesus. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he's the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. He has all authority over all things. So when he says, go make disciples in my name, you can be sure the power and the authority is there to get this job done. Yeah, business is not good right now, but that's not his fault. He, he's given us all the authority we need to go and fulfill the purpose he has for the church. Well, in the Great Commission, he not only tells us the the uh, power for our purpose. He also reveals to us the place for our purpose. He says, therefore, verse 19, go and make disciples of, of who? Which people? 
all people. I, uh, in all my years of ministry, I've gone to a lot of church growth seminars and classes and things like that. I mean, I've attended so many, I feel like I could pretty well teach one in my sleep right now, okay? It's, it's that much I've been saturated with it. Okay? And what I hear in a lot of them has always disturbed me. How they say, if you're planting a church or going in to revitalize a church, you need to determine your target audience. Now, I understand that in business, in a retail business, right? I understand that. But our target audience has already been determined by the one who has all authority, all right? So in that, that narrowing down of the target audience, who do you leave out in what Jesus has called us to do? Nobody. Go and make disciples of all people, everywhere. The church in America has been lacking in that area for a long time. Not just in target audience when you say, well, we're going to target the young people or we're going to target, you know, young adults or we're going to target uh, seniors or we're going to target, you know, uh, this uh, nationality or, or ethnic group. You know, we, we, we've been really bad about that. And, and because of that, long before anybody even started talking about target audiences, we developed things like the black church and the white church and, and the Latino church. And, you know, we've divided up into all those different groups as if only White people can reach white people, and only black people can reach black people. And that's really all, their job is to make disciples of that group, and your job is to make the No, he says, go and make disciples of what group? All people. That's one of the reasons I love pastoring here at Lakeshore. Man, just look around. You know, we have done a little better job than a lot of congregations in understanding that we're supposed to be reaching all people. Here at Lakeshore, we've got all races. We've got many, many different ethnicities within the world here. We've got all economic groups. We don't have as many wealthy as we'd like, but still, yeah. <laughs> I'm kidding. It doesn't, it's not based on any of that, right? We're supposed to be making disciples of all people. By his authority, that's the purpose of the church, is to make disciples. But what we did to the church was not only start having target groups that we thought we had to be limited to. Here's the other thing we did. We started making it so that as we think about making disciples, that that's what somebody else is supposed to do. Right? Yeah, we think the church ought to be winning people to Jesus, but we think the church is the pastor or it's the elders or it's the staff they're the ones that are supposed to be making the disciples. But the Great Commission isn't given just to pastors or just to the elders or the other staff or leaders in the church. The Great Commission is to all Christ followers. You and I, by the authority of Jesus, are called to a purpose, which is to make disciples. And the average disciple or member of a church in America has led very few other people to come follow after Jesus. You wonder why the church is declining in America. It's because we are expecting mainly the Sunday morning service to do the whole work and job of the church of making disciples of Jesus. 
Now, the Sunday morning service is important for the church. He says not to neglect that, not to, to let that slide, be a part of that. But if you're thinking the goal is just to show up on Sunday morning and I'm fulfilling my role that God has called me to as a Christian, then you missed it completely. Maybe the church has failed to teach what we need to teach. Your purpose on earth is to go and make what? Disciples of Jesus. But very few of us are going and making disciples of Jesus. We're attending church services which is a good thing, but it doesn't make many disciples. And the purpose by the authority of Jesus for all of us is to go and make disciples. So we need to get back to understanding that the place for our purpose is everywhere we go. And, and we need to be reaching everybody we can reach. So let's go back and look at the place for our purpose. I think I skipped that one. I'll put that one second on your outlines. Let's go back to that. He says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Well, where, where do you go? If you look at it in the original language, it literally can be translated, therefore, as you're going, where you go, be making disciples. So where do you go every day? What are you supposed to be doing as you go there? Making disciples. You think you're going to work just to get the paycheck. Support your family. You think you're going to the store to get a head of lettuce or whatever other thing, you know, Twinkies or whatever, okay? Whatever you're going for. You think you're going to school to get that degree so you can get that good job. All of those should be secondary reasons for doing what we're doing. The primary reason for going to those places is as we're going, we're supposed to be making disciples. Now, some people are called to go specifically to other places, and that's great. But all of us are called to, as we're going through life, to be doing what with our lives? Making disciples. All of us are called to be doing that, wherever we're going. Now, if you do go to some other country, then go there to make disciples. But if you're here, while you're going around here, you're called to be making disciples here. Right? We've got to get back to understanding that the place for our purpose is wherever we are. I love Acts 1 and verse 8. Again, it's a record of Jesus uh, as he's about to, to go back to the Father. He says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, all Judea and Samaria, to the ends of the earth. So he's covering it all, right? But, but he says, beginning where? In Jerusalem. Now, where are they when he talks to them about this? Jerusalem. So he says, where do you start this? right where you are now. This is where you start making disciples, wherever you are right now. We think of this idea of God calling somebody to make disciples as if it's a call to, to pack up and leave your home and go to some other place to start doing this. And the church has pretty much promoted that idea. When in fact, we're all supposed to be doing that wherever we go every day. We've got to rethink the Great Commission to go and make disciples. It begins where we are. I want to share some good news with you. Worldwide, Christianity is growing at five times the rate of atheism. Worldwide, Christianity is growing at five times the rate that atheism is growing. 
those who don't believe in God at all, right? People talk about the growth of atheism. There are pockets where atheism is growing, but Christianity worldwide is far outpacing and outgrowing atheism. Here's what we need to hear. Listen to me. Christianity is reportedly the fastest growing religion in China right now. You understand what I'm saying? China, still a communist government, still, in fact, persecution has gotten worse recently in China against Christianity, and it's still the fastest growing religion in China. They don't have a well-organized hierarchy of a church in China because the government would destroy it if they tried to do it that way. You know how it's happening in China? Individual Christians are making disciples of family and friends, co-workers, neighbors. That's how it's growing so fast there. Here's another area. Listen to this. This is amazing. The share of the world's Christians living in the sub-Saharan continent of Africa is expected to grow from 24% back in 2010 to 38% of the population by 2050. That means the southern nations of the African continent have Christianity growing exponentially. And again, they don't have the big structure of the organized church there. What do they have happening? Individual Christians talking to family and friends and neighbors and making disciples and co-workers. And the church is growing rapidly there. The only major parts of the world where Christianity is in decline are Western Europe and North America. Those are the only two parts of the world where you see a major decline in Christianity. Western Europe, it happened long before it did here in North America. It started long before it started here in Western Europe. It used to be a stronghold for Christianity. Now it's not at all. But America was the stronghold for Christianity for years. And yet this is one of the areas of the world where it's most in decline. Canada's worse than the U.S. in the decline of Christianity. But the U.S. is also in decline when it comes to Christianity and the church. America now makes up, the U.S. specifically makes up one of the three largest mission fields in the world. When it comes to the numbers of the population that actually identifies Christians. One of the three largest areas of mission field work. 195 million people in America have no connection to the church whatsoever. 195 million Americans have absolutely no connection to the church at all. And these are averages. I mean, we can have the exact number. People will lie, too, when you give them a survey. But generally speaking, that many people have no connection whatsoever to the church. I suspect it's higher than that because people are still sometimes embarrassed to say, I have no connection to the church when they fill out a survey. How is it that so many other places in the world Christianity is growing and in America it's declining? I suspect that one of the greatest reasons is this. We don't understand and haven't been honest about the fact that we live on a mission field in America. 
We have redefined what it means to be a missionary and do mission work. We have limited it to going somewhere else to do the work of missions. Haven't we? Let's be honest. The church in America has always taught that if you were going to do mission work, you, you were then set apart as a missionary separate from everybody else to go do something somewhere else to help people find their way home to Jesus. And we even took our church budgets and carved out a percentage and said, we'll put that percentage of the budget toward missions, right? And what we mean by that is sending people other places or sending the money to other places to do what we now have defined as mission work for the church. It was a great thing to do, except that it began to teach us over time that mission work is what we send people other places to do. Instead of understanding the real Great Commission says, go start wherever you are and start making disciples right there. You see the problem? We've been creative and sacrificial in sending people other places to do mission work while the whole time here in America we weren't doing it at all. What do you think is going to happen to the next generation if they've not been approached with the mission of Christ and then the one behind them and then the one behind them when the church hasn't done mission work to reach them? You see the problem? Here's the chain reaction effect that we're having now. Churches in America used to be the strongest source of sending people to do mission work other places. You know what's happening now? Other religions are sending missionaries to America in large numbers because they understand America is a mission field better than we do. The greatest, fastest growing, now not in numbers, but the fastest growing percentage-wise religion in America is Islam. And they have sent missionaries here to spread the work of Islam. Because they get it better than we do. That this is a mission field we're living in. Here's the other mistake we made. We started looking at mission fields as the poor countries that need our help. Right? But some of the areas where Christianity is growing the fastest are some of the poorest areas of the world. And some of the areas where it's declining the most are places like America, which is one of the wealthiest places in the world. You see, the mission of the church is great to help people that are poor and, you know, give them fresh water and make sure they have food. That's part of the work of the church. But the primary work of the church is to go make what? Disciples. Does it say only of the poor people? Is that the target group God gave us to make disciples of? Satan loves to get us sidetracked with other works than the primary work and purpose of the church. I love helping people with basic needs of life. But you know what the most basic need of life is? To know Jesus as Lord and Savior. We think it's not needed here in America because people have food and clothes and cars and houses. None of those things replaces the purpose of the church of making disciples of those people. None of those things replaces that. And so we'll sacrifice 
and, and take up money and send somebody somewhere else when we won't make a disciple right across the street in our own neighborhood here in America. You see, we're willing to do things creatively on foreign mission fields that we won't do here in the American church because it's not comfortable for us. It's not our comfort zone, right? Don't change the music. Don't change the, the dress. Don't change the buildings. Don't change anything. Keep it like it is because we like it that way. But on the mission field, do whatever it takes to reach lost people, right? Isn't that our mindset? That's what we do. We do whatever it takes over there I don't like it, but if it works over there, good. We'll send you money and let you do that over there. But don't do it here in the American church to reach lost people. You see, if we're going to turn this around, we've got to understand that the authority, the power for our purpose is there in Christ. The place for our purpose is wherever we are, and the people for our purpose is anybody and everybody that needs to be reached with the gospel. Galatians 3 and verse 8, it says this. The scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and announce the gospel in advance to Abraham. All nations will be blessed through you. I read that verse for years and didn't catch what it was saying. That way back when God said to Abraham, all nations are going to be blessed through you. You know what he was giving Abraham? The gospel. All the nations of the world are going to be blessed through Abraham's descendants because it's through them that the gospel was going to come. And that's what's going to bless the world is the good news about Jesus. Getting them clean water, that's a good thing. Getting them food, that's a great thing. Getting them clothes, wonderful. But what they need more than any of that is what? The gospel of Jesus Christ. And here in America, the church has been sidetracked by thinking we are a social program institution in America. And so we got all these programs to help people with food. And we got all these programs to help people, you know, with housing and, you know, and clothing and shelter and all those things. And those are all good works to do, but they're not the primary purpose of the church. The primary purpose of the church is to make disciples. That other stuff makes us feel good about ourselves. I donated clothes to needy people. Boy, that makes you feel good, doesn't it? And it should. You should feel good about doing that. But did you tell them about Jesus? Did you call them to follow Jesus? You see, that's the real work of the church. Not just to give out food on Thanksgiving. And until we grasp that, we are going to see continued decline. So he gave us a plan for our purpose. That's the fourth thing on your outline today, the plan for our purpose. Look at what he says here, verse 19 and 20. He says, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. So here's the thing. We call them to surrender their lives to Christ, and that's what baptism is. It's a surrendering of your life to Jesus and his authority and his power. You're buried with Christ. You rise to a new life, and that new life, in that new life, the role of the church is to teach those people to be obedient to Jesus and what Jesus teaches in his word. And so many churches today do very little real teaching of the Bible. Because people get offended. People don't like some of it. People want to pick and choose. People want to make it fit the culture of the day instead of just teaching the truth of Scripture. We talked about this some last week. It's, 
It's the call of the church to follow his plan because it's by his authority that we're supposed to be making disciples. And the disciple is not somebody that says, okay, I believe now and I got baptized and I show up on Sundays every now and then to a service. That's not a disciple. It looks good if you're just trying to report how many people come to your church, especially if they give a good offering when they come, right? That looks real good when you report that. But a disciple is one who is being taught to be obedient to the scriptures and willingly is doing that, accepting that, and starting to be obedient to it, which means the scriptures need to be taught, which means that as the scripture is being taught, the disciples are the ones who are going to listen and become obedient to what's being taught. That's when you know a disciple's been made, when they're listening and obeying the teaching. Not when they said, I believe, and prayed a prayer. Not even when they got dunked in the water. There are a lot of people that got dunked in the water that went right back out, willfully choosing a sinful lifestyle, not being obedient to Christ. That wasn't a disciple made that day. A disciple follows after the teachings of Jesus. And we started an evangelism program in America that said, you just get them to pray the prayer and let Jesus into their heart, and you've done your job. even if they're not following the teachings of Jesus after that. Especially if they still show up for services once in a while. We still got them, right? If they show up for services once in a while. Those aren't really disciples of Jesus. And so we've got to get back to the purpose and the plan for our purpose, which is to not only bring them to make that decision to be baptized into Christ, but then to teach them to be obedient to what he commands us. I love what he said in Luke eleven twenty eight. 28. Jesus said, blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and do what? Obey it. Those are the people that are going to be blessed by my teaching. The people that obey it. The people that actually do what it says. That's where the blessings are. 2 Timothy 3, remember we looked at this? Over the last couple of weeks, verse 16 and 17, all scriptures God breathed is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. The powers in the teaching of the word and a person's willingness to hear and accept and obey the teaching of the word. That's where the blessing and the power is. So let's think about this. The mission of the church is to go and make what? Disciples. The authority for that comes from where? From Jesus, from God, right? The authority and the power is found there. The place we're supposed to be doing that is where? Wherever we are. Right? Wherever we are. The people we're supposed to be making disciples of, who are they? What's the target group? All people. All right? Then if that's true, and he gave us the plan for how to do that, which is us helping people come to that place where they decide to follow Jesus, and start learning from him and being obedient to what he says, then why aren't we doing a better job with it? Why is business not good for the church in America? I'm going to give you my personal opinion. We've trained the church not to do this over the years. 
We've trained Christians to believe that your job, your role, your calling is to start going to church. Not to start making disciples. Because if we were all making disciples, our culture would be impacted more by the church than it is right now. It would. I don't know how many years God's going to give me for this time on earth and how long I'll be able to be a pastor. I don't know. But I know this. For whatever time I have left, I'm going to equip people to make disciples. I'm going to teach you to make disciples. I'm going to challenge you to go make disciples. Because as I read the Great Commission, all the other stuff is secondary to that. We got other good things we do as a church. I love it. But the primary role of the church is to go and make disciples. So we need to focus on getting better at that. We need to focus on doing more of that. Well, well, here's the thing. Most people don't do it. Here's why. You don't feel qualified. You don't feel like you can. You are afraid to try because you don't think you'll be good at this and you'll be rejected and people won't like you anymore and, and, and it'll be hard, right? You know, I've read the Great Commission again. You, you can go back and read it. I don't see anywhere in there where he says, go and make disciples as long as it's going well. As long as you're having success all the time. As long as it's easy for you to do it. You just wait till you have the best opportunity. Then you can start doing this. I don't see that anywhere. Do you? No. He just says, start going and making disciples. So I want to close with this fifth thing that's important for us to remember. The presence for our purpose. Look at the last part of the Great Commission, verse 20. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. Who's with us always? Jesus is. He's with us always. So he doesn't say, you guys go get it done. You're on your own now. What does he say? I'm with you always to the very end of the age. You're not on your own. You're not the one responsible for the power you're not the one responsible for the conviction of people's hearts. You're not the one responsible for the transformation of their lives. You are responsible for the part God called you to do with his presence and power with you all the time. That's the part we're all responsible for, to go and make disciples. I love the word, the Great Commission. But if you break it down, it, it, we can understand it better this way. It's the Great Commission. All right? Put a hyphen in there. Co-mission. Co means it's a mission you're on alongside someone else. It's a co-mission. Now, in the co-mission, here's who we're beside. Each other, but also who else is always with us? Jesus is. It's the great co-mission that we're all in together, and Jesus is here with us in accomplishing this great co-mission. Is he with you when you're scared? Yeah. Is he with you when it's hard to talk to that person about Jesus that, that you've been trying to get up the nerve to talk about? Is he with you then? Yeah. Is he with you for that family member that you're trying to approach on this because they, they've never followed Jesus? Is he with you when you try to approach them? 
Yeah. Is he with you when you're trying to talk to your kids about this who've fallen away from their walk with the Lord? Yeah. He's with you always. And I love what it says in Romans 8, one of the greatest chapters in all of Scripture, verse 38 and 39. I'm convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, neither present, nor the future, or any powers, neither height, nor depth, or anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Friends, nothing can separate God from you and his love from you, ever. So yeah, it's hard. But you're not on your own. When it comes to worldview, friends, listen to me. Nothing's more important than the church waking up to the fact that we are called by God with the purpose of teaching people to have a biblical worldview. That's, that's what a disciple has and develops as a biblical worldview. We're called to make disciples. Let's pray together. Father, Father, this series... This series is so important for the church to know what you've called us to. To be honest about the fact that we're not doing so well with it right now. But to understand that it's by your authority and your power that this can be done. It's not dependent on, on us. Except it's dependent on us obeying what you've called us to do. Father, we want the church to have the impact in China that it's having, in, Afri in the African continent that it's having, where, it's, where, where people are coming in large numbers to follow Jesus. But Father, this is where we are. And you've called us to make disciples right here. Help us to understand we're on the mission field right now, right here. And you've called the church, us, to be disciple makers. May we give ourselves fully to this great mission. There's nothing more important in our purpose for being on this earth than helping people know and follow Jesus. Use us for your glory. In his name we pray, amen.